We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle United 2, Manchester City 2 is the game we're going to talk about today. And you've got Alex Hurst, Adam Woodrick, and Michael Collin and Simon Campbell with Ben Wade, a keen observer, and ready to chime in as and when we need him. Adam, I'll start with you. You seem to thoroughly enjoy Saturday afternoon at St James's Park. Good result? I had a great time, and it's a fantastic result. Um, being able to go toe-to-toe with, you know, regardless of, you know, the fact that they're 11 points behind Liverpool, and regardless of the fact that Guerra wasn't playing, they're still a world-class outfit. They're still coached by a world-class manager in Pep Guardiola. Um even their reserves are infinitely more expensive than our entire squad. So it's a it's an absolutely massive, massive result. Credit to Steve Bruce. And, it, you know, f- for whatever reason, the top six are running scared of him. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone want to disagree with that one? Or you, are you, Sai, are you as positive in your assessment that the top six are running scared? I've heard, I've heard Arsenal are sniffing around Bruce for the new manager's job. <laughs> no, that's ludicrous, obviously. Are you serious? I'm not being serious. No, but I'm just saying he's. I'm just highlighting that he's got some good wins against some 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 de- some good teams. And I, but I, but I think what's important is, and what we're going to have to sort of temper excitement for is as much as this. I absolutely loved everything about the game. It was just it was it, it was it just I got the feels back a bit. You know, it was it was kind of like the times of old a bit. But what, what we're not gonna, what we're going to get the measure of, and how people are going to actually be able to be convinced by Steve Bruce, is when are we going to be able to do this, and produce performances, and start a fight, and score goals against teams in the bottom half of the table around us, where it's actually going to mean a lot more in terms of the kind of six pointers, in terms of sort of being able to pull away from these teams. It's all very well nicking some good results against teams that are sort of fine for Europe, and it's great, and it, it feels really good, but we need to be able to pull that out, but we need to be more consistent and we need to start doing that against teams around us that are actually going to, it's actually going to be able to affect. But one, two out of the last three against teams around us in the league. I think that's unfair. Yeah, those two, those two games are great. They were fantastic. I wrote a piece about why I thought on the True Faith website, why I thought that the numbers were looking good for us in terms of our, our attacking potency and our threat. However, it's this thing of, it's, it's, it's this, it's this, this cloud of, inconsistency that that still will stop people from fully getting on board you know the Steve Bruce bus <laughs> is it, are people fully going to get on board though like really I mean 
Yes, Saturday was a good result. You know, Here it draw- comes, by the way. I knew you were going to be negative, but fucking hell, Sideman. Right. We're, we're 14th and we've, we've won four out of like 15. It's not been like a brilliant season. It's been an okay season and better than we expected. We are four points clear of the relegation zone and we are four points off fifth place. I know. That, 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 that's what's mental about this league, isn't it? The, the, the table still hasn't really taken shape. But if you're looking at those teams in the kind of top 10, it's only really Sheffield United that you'd say we might, we might catch. So whilst, yes, you're right, we're only were quite close to as a, a Spurs who are now in fifth somehow I should jump back up there um, realistically Spurs Man U Arsenal will finish much higher than us come end of the season so yes we're, we're close to these teams such as being the mental Premier League season where nobody has any consistency including us um, there's 10 teams have won 4 games out of 14 yeah. which is a first for this stage of the season for so many teams to have won so few games it just means you can't. It's really hard to judge our season. Yes, the the team and Steve Bruce have exceeded my expectations certainly, and probably most. Um, but I have no idea if we're any good or not. And, and going to the match on Saturday and watching us get a draw against Man City, albeit a good result, I still don't know if we're a good team. Like, our strikers still aren't scoring. We've got another goal from defence. Well, two defenders really, because John Joe Shelby spends more time in his own half than than the opposition's <laughs> half. Like we're scoring goals, which is good, but. I still don't know if we're good enough to to put a run of form together to to really like define us as a team. It's just we're sort of snatching results here, then playing shite the next week, then snatching results and playing shite. I have no idea what what we are. Are we are we a good team? Are we are we improving? <laughs> I've got no idea. It's way we are as mental as the whole Premier League is this season. It's just football doesn't make any sense anymore. <laughs> I think there's been if you look at it now though. There's been three good performances in four games and, and one really, like, I'm not skating over it, one disgusting performance against Villa. Three out of four is pretty good. Like, you know, extrapolate that over the rest of the season and you would say that w- that would be very, very consistent form. would be fucking flying. Getting getting seven points out of every available 12. I, I think there is something in what Sai says and it was, we have won 2-2, yeah, haven't we? If you look at the cheer <laughs> at the end of the game, the cheer at the end of that game, <clears throat> excuse me, was bigger than the cheer at the end of the Bournemouth game. And it's because it was, you know, going behind twice in the emotions and, you know, in the match day podcast that we do for, for patrons, where I did catch the Shelby goal, slagging us off for having men on the edge of the box before the, the free kick's taken, <laughs> the, the dangers of recording live. Um, <laughs> and, you know, every time we conceded, you were just like, well, that was fun. Do you mean we did a bit, we've lost. And the comeback twice is massive. And it is, like you say, Adam, a really positive point and a positive performance. However... It's, the, it's all about this week, isn't it? Sheffield United in Southampton. Three days apart. They are teams, financially, we are able to compete with. If You, you know, it's it gone of the days, kind of, of looking at... I mean, you said there that, you know, players cost on Man City's bench more than our whole squad. No longer. With Joe Linton, St. Maxim and Almiron in there, you know, that's thick end of, what, 80 million quid on a front three. So there's no reason that we, we shouldn't be going into these games like we did against Aston Villa and being played off the park and I think narrow victories and chasing defeats aren't a good mix because narrow victories are obviously by definition very very slight and very could go either way I'm going to come to you next Adam but you know I'm not I'm not trying to be overly negative I think it was a great performance a great result I just think and I, I wrote this um, in my special the free match day newsletter that would do for everybody um, you know and I've just written in the new fanzine which I'll come on to we're a bipolar bunch like Newcastle. Like football fans in general are up and down, but Christ, us like Newcastle United fans this season, you know, there's people on social media after the relegation game saying, well, I haven't been put into an administration and relegated. What's everyone kicking off about? We're kicking off because it was not good enough and it was shite. And you've also got people saying, you know, we're shite, Bruce is still shite, we're going to get relegated. And there's, there's very little middle ground and we're a team that doesn't really do middle ground. Like, 
we're either really bad and get beat or we're quite good and we'll win quite narrowly. And that result at the weekend was probably good because although I think we've got a lot of positive things to say about individual performances and the team ethic and it was a really good result, you know, Man City were were the better team probably and we're, we're very grateful to Martin Dubravka for a heroic performance to keep us in it. So I agree with you, Si, that as good as the result was, and I'm delighted and I had a great day because of it, it's all about this week. Like you said, Adam, it's all about the next two games. You talked four points away from the relegation zone. It was seven points a few weeks ago. Four points now because those teams have started to pick up points. Who knows where we'll be um, five o'clock on Sunday when every team's played twice. And if we pick up zero points, not that I'm suggesting we will, we'll be doing this podcast next week with a special guest on the floor. Everything's terrible. And that's just how it is at the minute. I think what's we've got to take into you know, account here, the Leicester game... Was probably you know, the worst worst performance comfortably of the season. It was it was abject. It was it was it was absolutely appalling in every in every way. Since that game, we've played seven games, and I think only only the Aston Villa game I would say that we'd sort of we'd regressed back to sort of before Leicester times. Even the you know the one nil defeat at Chelsea could have easily been a nil nil draw. We, you know it was we didn't play necessarily terribly in that. We picked up draws against the likes of like Wolves. We've beaten Man United, we've beaten Bournemouth, we've beaten West Ham away. We've got some really good results. We've got a good draw against Man City there. So the, the run that we're on now, if you take out the bigger picture, is actually is actually pretty good. And it's been a really it's 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 been a good response from that Leicester performance that Bruce has managed to rally everyone around and and get people to buy into for however long that will that will be. And I I, I agree with you. I still think we, we you know we. we I don't think he's he's the man that's going to take us forward, if anybody can under Mike Ashley. But as, as but in the in the sort of short term, we have a we have a good run going, and that it seems to be that that Aston Villa game, which everyone was really felt, and it was it was awful to watch, and we didn't look like we were even close to scoring. That we we have made progress over the last like couple of months worth of fixtures. We we we, re, we really have that. We can't really deny that. Um, but I think what it is like going into that city game. I remember speaking to my parents just before, like in the concourse, and it was kind of like we all kind of like you know expected the defeat. But it was I would have been much happier. I would have been much much happier if um, somebody's phone wasn't going off right now. I would be <laughs> much much happier if I was saying like you're probably going to probably going to def- get get beat. But I'd like to see us play like play well and get a defeat. Like if you're going to lose, at least. I want to see what the game plan is. I want to see if there's anything that we can learn. Like Aston Villa, we, we probably we, we didn't, there wasn't anything that I could take out positives from there. But I wanted to be able to take out of a positive from from a, from a defeat. As it as it happens, we went toe to toe with Man City. That's huge. We, we we've done that twice in a calendar year now under different managers, and now sort of Pep Guardiola is becoming the Jose Mourinho and like will not like coming to St James's Park because he's finding it difficult. But I, but I think we've got to just take this on the wider context of this run that we've gone on since Leicester. I think we've only let ourselves down once, and that was away on a Monday night at Villa Park, where we really should have done better. But actually, we're not doing too badly at the minute. I think you have to. We all have to start giving Bruce some credit, and this this one in particular, I thought, was really important. He's come off the back of a really, really bad, really bad performance, which had kind of soured the mood a bit after two really good ones, and he goes into. One of the hardest games in English football, having Man City come to your own your own ground because they can torture teams with the way they can bring the ball forward and and dominate possession completely in a game. 
there was a chance we could go in, we could have gone in into Saturday and been absolutely humiliated coming off the back and, and morale would have been low in the camp coming off, off the back of that you go into that Man City game at home and you concede in the first 10 minutes and it could be 8-0, 9-0, 10-0 seriously it could have been and he's managed to turn things around in the like in the squad he's played the same team which we're all disagree in this room we're all completely disagreed with it I said there should have been four changes out of that team he, ha- he hasn't done it he's stuck with the lads that, he, that, he's, that he's trusted he's, he's demanded a response on them from the debacle at Villa Park and he, he's got one and it was, I think it's it's ballsy uh, there was a number of ballsy things he's done there keeping the same team was ballsy it would have been far easier to change some of the players that had struggled a bit you know it's ballsy to go into it and have a, have a sli- like slightly attacking attitude where we've, we've we've let some of the players run forward and, and a couple of them supporting supporting the lads um, it wasn't like we were just having Sir Maximan running on his own going forward so you have to you have to give him a bit of credit Someone else do. I'm not going to give him any credit, but someone else can. Feel free to. I, I think I'm in the middle, Mickey. First of all, yeah, team selection, fair play. I wouldn't say it's that ballsy to stick with the same same team, but and also I think the 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 scale of the problems at Villa and the positives here can't be compared. So the problem with Villa, newly promoted side, it's not just that the beat were, it's that they played off the park and they should have scored loads more. And it's that teams this season, if I am Sheffield United. I'm thinking press them. Press John Joe Shelby, first and foremost. Press him, press him, press him. He'll move backwards, backwards, backwards. He'll end up behind his own back three with the ball. So they'll have nothing in midfield and target the right-hand side if Yedlin plays because that's what Villa did and it got them three points very easily. So, yes. I, well, it's also what Man City did targeting that right-hand side as well. Yeah, yes, work. yeah, a different, you know, big Javier. Is he, is he class as big in Steve Bruce's all big. pantheon of big lads? Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, like yeah. So keeping the same team, finding you know, I, I put a tweet out before saying the decision not to play long stuff for Shelby is ridiculous, proven emphatically wrong. Hands yeah. up! I didn't, uh, I did notice on the match day as well. There were there was a few Shelby slide digs, and then at the very end, obviously hey, you've, you're a, celebrating like a, a, a visceral a really passion. Game. He had a really good, he had <laughs> a really good game, and it's great. Though I did say in the preview, the paper preview last week, that Shelby's best games for me for Newcastle had come against Chelsea and Man U at home under Rafa, and we won those two games. Yeah. Um, so he, he kind of can't do it, but th- this was a different performance from from Shelby. So just about to make his point, yeah, I, I, I do think that the manager deserves credit. I also think, like we said in the the preview for patrons, was that this was a game. This is a good game after that Villa game. There was no tactical tweaks needed. There was no well, how would we address this problem? Because yeah, like Adam says, you know, you know what Man City are going to bring. There'll be no surprises, and everyone can play in a certain way. And it, I don't want to, you know belittle the players because they put a huge amount of physical and mental effort into that defensive attempt. I think particularly the back three in terms of throwing themselves in front of the ball, being switched on, you know, excellent. I mean, even for De Bruyne's goal, it's a great defensive header out. It was a yeah, fantastic ball. But Mendy's only good ball of the day because Mendy had a terrible game, which we might come on to. You know, there was, there was a, there's a lot to be positive there about. However, like, however... Like you were about to say there, when he was about to shoot De Bruyne, like he... There was there were people in his face like yeah. Shelby was there. We had another defender like throwing themselves to like De Bruyne just did exceptionally well with that shot. Yeah. It was, it was no good. right, no Ridic- right to get out of control. Good. You know the big. However, I've got is you know before before I start calling the manager brave or or before you know do any of these things ballsy like you're supposed to get team selection right and it's a draw against Man City, which is a draw, and we're doing all right this season. Like I said at the start of the show. I, I see no reason to panic. I see no reason to, you know, think that everything's going to fall away. But it is all like 
you know, if if we don't pick up and you know as much as we'd like to, or don't win in the next three four games, it will be disaster time. So that that doesn't mean we are going to. It's just now is the time. So Mickey, you're saying they deserves a lot of credit. I'll be far more willing to give them a lot of credit should we beat one or both of Sheffield United, United Southampton, Burnley, and then Pal- and then Palace because they're the games we need nine, eight, nine, ten points out of. We don't need three points, four points, five points because then we're just in the relegation scrap. And that's the key thing. Steve Bruce has come in from a team last season that for much of the season was in a relegation scrap but pulled clear by the end. So what, what I'm hoping for with the extra, you know, the additions of the likes of St. Maximan that he had that the previous manager didn't, how can he take us forwards or at least keep us standing still? What we don't want to see is Newcastle fans and many Newcastle fans think this, including many who don't go to the game anymore, that we're going to, that we will under Mike Ashley because of this what many thought was a ridiculous managerial change. We're going to go backwards and I think we're going to find out in the next two or three weeks if we are going to go backwards or not, or forwards. I don't, I don't disagree, but, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that we need to give him the keys to fucking City here. Like, <laughs> just give him some credit for getting a, a good, positive result against a really good side. Yeah, I agree, I agree. And I, and I think what I, was, what I was kind of alluding to earlier is we need, like, we need to get results, not so much Sheffield United's a bit warped because of their league position, but um, we need to be, we need to be taking points off Villa and off Southampton, these teams around us, that it's so a win against a win against Southampton is going to be worth twice as much as what a win against Man City would have. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, or Man, or Man United. Or, we need to be taking points off the teams that are going to be scrapping around us and below us and, and yeah. slightly above I us mean, as well. Yeah, in context, if we lose on Thursday, that's one point out of Villa, Sheffield, and Man City. Like, it's not good in, in the in the wider picture. Yes, the Man City result was good, but it's meaningless if we go and lose games against promoted teams so in, in terms of praise yes it was a good result and I thought that the players serve a lot of credit for the effort they put in as well I mean Bruce is basically saying same again lads <laughs> same same tactic same team and, and the players just played better so yes there's probably some some tactical input there I'll, I'll give him a, a small amount of his duties there <laughs> Three um, gritted teeth. Yeah, well at least like the addition of another Steve has maybe just you know sort of sort that out um <laughs> But I'll, I'll I'll continue to think the same if we continue to go to places like Sheffield. And yes, they've had a, a hell of a bounce of a start of, to the season, but on paper, we're still much better than them and we should be getting results there. Like if, if we narrowly lose, like you say, if we lose, but there's a game plan and we get unlucky and we're creating chances and we're defending reasonably well, but they beat us by scoring a couple of good goals, then fine. If we play like we did at Aston Villa, I'll just think that the games like Man City are just a fluke. Because if we no, keep no, reverting back... Fluke, like- it's Glenn Rhoda syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. Glenn Rhoda, the season he was sacked against the top fours, it was then rather than top six. We didn't lose to any of them at home. And people, you know, the national media who concentrate on those games, Anya Kassler, a well motivated, drilled side yeah, like, against everyone else, we were just shite. Play, play, players like Musa Sissoko used to get torn apart for bring, getting themselves yeah, up for the big game. Steve Bruce <laughs> doing that as a manager. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's that's what I mean. It's, it's It can't be that we, we, you know, when we're on telly and we've, we've got a big game, that we look all right and then we're just crap the rest of the time I don't think it is I don't think that's fair though because it hasn't been that If you, we're, we're now just looking at the last two games when if you look at the last four games or the last six games there's, there's there's some good results against teams around us like forgetting about beating Bournemouth at home in a good good performance where we came back from behind that was like, excellent you have to You have to. if we're going to contextualise the weekend's result we have to contextualise it with everything and it's not it's not as it's how not far as, do you want to go back, Leicester? It's, it's probably not. As, well, yeah, it's not. As, it's probably not as dreary as, as I'd think you're saying, and it's, it's certainly not as positive as, as my comments have been made out to be. Which you know, maybe we can go back to Norwich away if you like, and include <laughs> all of the, the games. Thing. You can. This is. It's. It's. It, it depends on who you are and your outlook. Because if you look at our season so far, Arsenal at home, we should have got something. 
could have beaten Watford at home, although we're poor. Unbelievably, somehow, due to some miracle of science, we could have beaten Brighton at the end when Big Andy <laughs> comes on and does his Big Andy things. You know, we're, we could have um, got a point at Chelsea. You know, so you could look at it. We could have beaten Wolves. Definitely could have beaten definitely, Wolves. Definitely, definitely could have beaten Wolves. It was I, I terrible, and we were worse in the second half. But so, so the fact that it's, it's and we did, we did used to give Rafa praise for this. We did. We used to say, stayed in games, giving yourself a chance. You know, we we went to the absolute shit off at Crystal Palace last season. The nil the nil nil draw. I mean, it's one of the worst games of football. I remember doing the match day podcast after and we were like, oh, I don't remember that. At all. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was more to do with Jamaican wine. Just the the Jama- medicine, <laughs> Jamaican whatever they call it. But Ben doesn't have a microphone. He said, I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, obviously, we've just laughed but, there. You know, for so, so yeah, I think you're right to an extent, Mick, and I should take on board more that the things we used to praise the previous manager for. It, you know, it, but he didn't have an eighty million pound front. You know, you know. No, but, but, but I think the important point point to make is that Rafa Benitez has earned the benefit of the doubt, whereas I don't think Bruce necessarily has in recent years of his managerial career. And also, it's as simple as that. I'll caveat your point though, Alex. I bet you Bruce would have run on ahead of Joe Linton if you give him the straight choice now. He wouldn't say that publicly. Well, no, we, no, of course not. We're so be, harsh be absolutely not. <laughs> and, and maybe not in the long term. But if, if you offered they, him, you can say it publicly, but Joe doesn't hear it. You know he still I, wouldn't say it. What might work is if they get Joe Linton to wear a rond on top, the rest of the players <laughs> might start actually passing to him. Some of the balls Joe Linton had to chase on Saturday were like, like how yeah. Like, yeah, it would be fueled. There was a few couple he just needed. Few, there was one, or was it? It wasn't Joe Linton, it was Dwight Gill. Almiron had the ball, and you were like, oh, play him through. And he, he lofted it with his toe. And Gail was just like, what? Like, <laughs> what do you want us to do with that? And end up having to go backwards with the ball. We'll get on to some football in a second because I think we're, we'll have to kind of finish off in this context stuff about the, the result in the league and all that kind of thing. You know, Saturday was it was a good day. Like, there was some, I think the keyboard side as well, good goals. Yeah, it was. You, know, yeah. you like seeing good goals. We hardly score. It's not just this season. Since we've come back to the Premier League and the seasons before because we were shite, like, we just hardly score as a team. We, we don't have enough goals. There aren't enough memorable goals as, as supporters to think about. Like, what was our best goal last season? Can anyone? In fairness, we got, we, I think we had like three goal of the month. And, and how many goal of the month like winners have we had recently? Well, yeah. We've had a fair All the goals scored by Cher last season. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cher's against Burnley at home was to go the season last year. The absolute oh. rocket. Oh, but you're right, you know, two or three yeah, decent like, goals a season isn't like, good yeah, going. Out like, of the 35 we scored yeah. in 38 games, like... Yeah, we're doing score. Point it, was, point, yeah, it, was point great, it was great to see two really well taken goals. It was great to see a, a hero's performance from Martin Dubravka, which we'll get on to. And it was great to see just like flouncy Man City players just, you know, clearly being in a massive huff because they expect a turn up places and win. And that's a really poor result for them. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought this Guardiola stuff definitely deserved to win the game. It's like you had 77% of the ball and you conceded two shots and you still didn't win. Like, look at yourselves, lads. Not as not as you also had the referee on the on the side trying to give you every throw and going for some strange reason. Yeah. So much so the referee had to reverse it. But so it was a good day. I don't want to take away from it too much. It was a good day. And we may as well talk about some actual football. And, you know, I thought I thought we started the game very well. I thought that the back three played well. I thought, you know, we, we, we talked about on the preview and that the, the plan against Man City is get them to play wide because they don't want to play wide. If you get them to play wide and play balls in the box, great, we'll we'll deal with them. And also the likes of Sterling and Silva get deeper and deeper because they need to constantly be on the ball. Um, you know, Adam, we're stuck with the, the team. We've talked through the benefits of that. 
Is there anyone from from that formation who you thought really stood out on Saturday? Um, I, th- I, th- I, th- I thought Fernandez is absolutely gargantuan as a, as a as a defender. Like he, he, I wasn't, I sort of wasn't, wasn't convinced by him on Villa, but then I, you know, it's easy to not be convinced by anybody in that performance. But I just thought he was huge. I thought he read the game well. He was just, he was just a, a he was just a, a presence. Um, and I think he. I think the organisation of those back three and how tight they were and how well they worked together. And yes, Man City got in a couple of times. Of course they did, because they're Man City. And the, Man City are the, the kind of team that they, they know they'll always, have, they'll always get another chance. They'll always get another chance. But we, we, we hugely frustrated them. And it was very, very obvious to me that they were trying to penetrate you know, through the middle and get, and get into the box. Um, I, think you made a, I think you made a point on the, the match day about how you know, Gabriel Jesus... Great, great player in the box, but kind of he doesn't do the work that Aguero does outside the box at all, and that was he sort of disappeared once he was kind of like outside the box. But it kind of like it was almost like everything was really, really compact centrally. Um, but then it just takes sort of and, and, and the flanks were kind of exposed, and it was it, it was almost like they they would try to get through centrally, they couldn't get through, they couldn't knock us couldn't knock the sort of defences down so they then had to go flanks and then when, when they went flanks they were able to switch it in a blink of an eye and then there was two there was there was two players there often on one um, trying to exploit because there seemed to be a bit of confusion is that when obviously Mendy moved forward and was progressing forward into the final third like that's, that's probably like Almiron's guy but then Manquillo's trying to look at Sterling but then Sterling's their, their movement is just incredibly difficult to kind of Si. I felt like the uh, the Mendy thing looked deliberate. It looked like we were leaving him unmarked, as if to say, "Yeah, give it him." It, it, it was just happening so often that it felt like that was a tactical decision to let Mendy get the ball and put loads of shite crosses in because that's what they did. Like there were no threat coming down that left hand side, and we were almost like happy to double up on Sterling and and take him out the game and let Mendy just put a, a shite ball in where our three centre halves were just mopping everything up. I thought it was deliberate. I don't think it was Almiro necessarily not tracking his man. I think the plan was, was something else. I think it was to just get back and, and cover the other lads and see what Mendy's going to do because he didn't do anything. He was he was awful. No, that's tend to agree with that. Sorry, Mike. I don't think that was the case at all. That's not that's not how I saw the game whatsoever. Um, I, there was, I, for me, there was a clear plan from City to use their left flank and, and attack us down our right. And I, I I think my standout player from that game would be Mankio. I thought he handled Sterling brilliantly. I thought yeah. the partnership with I the centre-halves was excellent. I thought Almiron did his job really well coming back and tracking and marking. And there was only, in the first half, there was only one time where Mankio and Almiron both went for the same man and went for the ball. And they passed it round us and got a really good chance out of it. Um, other than that, I think they got everything right. And the, the limited Man City they're putting in, like you say, the, the shy crosses and, and what have you. But I think I think to say that they would just let Mendy have the ball doesn't do enough service to our lads who, who did their job really well. Now, he, he's a, he was afforded slightly more space than you would Sterling because if you give Sterling a yard, he takes you on and, and gets a shot away. As many doesn't have that. But uh, to say we'll, we'll let him have the ball is, is I'm not saying overly ne- flat. I'm not saying it's a negative, by the way. I think it's it, it's just we, we were more concerned si. about the other players. I, I agree with Sai. And I think, yeah, I don't think let Mendy have the ball. It was if he gets the ball. It's all right. We don't need to stop the cross as, as as much as you would with someone else. We don't have to get as close to him. And he, particularly in the first half, was just putting a shit ball in after shit ball after shit ball, often along the floor, being cleared quite easily. I noticed a massive change from Man City at half time. So first of all, Adam, yeah, totally agree. Jesus 
is a is a shot looks to me like a shadow of the player Aguero is now. Whether that's because I'm so used to seeing Aguero score against us, Aguero plays on the half turn constantly. You don't know whether he's going to drop. You don't know whether he's going to drop the shoulder. You don't know whether he's going to run behind. Jesus like played like a centre forward trying to get on the end of things. He was never going to get in the end of him. I saw Man City in the first half play the ball way too quickly, be impatient, and like you say, trying to play the ball through the middle. And as soon as they couldn't get through, as soon as Isaac Hayden's in their face or someone else is in their face, we'll try a lofted ball into the box, and it was just. Dubravka was all over it. So, th- so this is what I noticed, these these little chips that they did. So what they tried to do was, when they were on the edge of the box, and you saw Sterling do it, you saw De Bruyne do it, um, they, they, they would do this very this very deliberate, like, like a chip. Scoop. Like, it's, it was like a scoop, yeah, absolutely. Bang on side. It was like a scoop into space for almost where their wide players would kind of run from wide not be picked up because they'd yeah. sort of concentrated everything centrally and you'd have these free players on, the, on the, that would then just sort of like dart in and they'd, they'd try to this sort of this little scoop chip in into space. It was always into space. It was never at somebody directly. It's always into space for somebody to run onto to catch us out of guard, off guard. They didn't get, I think it was a mixture of like their, their execution wasn't as, wasn't as good, wasn't as, uh, you know, as, as potent or the fact that we, our defenders just read it constantly. Um, but that's that's certainly what I noticed in the first half that we frustrated them trying to because I'm pretty sure two two seasons ago when Sterling scored on that on that cold winter's night <laughs> um, that that was scored again by a scooped ball coming in him diving in it was almost it was almost the same thing it's, it's the same trick that they were trying um, but what, it was funny because like we're talking about the crosses and how they were almost you know we probably would have been happy for them to cross the ball simply because they're tiny tiny team yeah. and, I, and, I, and I noticed it particularly where their two subs came on this in the second half it was Bernardo Silva tiny and Phil Foden absolutely tiny like just you know it was very much kind of like a you know, kind of Barcelona-esque kind of like tiki-taka no physicality just technique triangles movement um, but our big lads just had the joy like yes they got in a couple of times but you know we were able to outmuscle them uh, Newcastle United have been drawn away to Boston United or Rochdale, I think. I know. <laughs> so, I, I 2019 how, Stephen Edgeborough, get yeah, in. I don't know how the club are going to spin this one <laughs> when we go up, but that is, to be fair, that, I mean, Blackburn at home last season should have been in. Blackburn at home shouldn't have seen us lads driving down to fucking Lancashire on a Tuesday night missing the start of the game. Turn up late, yeah, missing, yeah, missing, missing the first two goals. But uh, hopefully fairly easy as long as he doesn't play like a ridiculous team you know a decent cup draw for Newcastle broken live on the True Faith podcast not everybody <laughs> listening you probably know by the time you listen to it but 100% everyone <laughs> listening will know he's got to give Dwight Gale 90 minutes hasn't he against a Boston United or a Watchdale he's scored like five I goals we, I think 4-4-2 Muto and Gale up front 5-0 thanks yeah. see you in the next round Man United away <laughs> <laughs> top tips with Alex uh... <laughs> I want to give uh, Martin Dubravka some praise um, you know I don't think he's probably shown the form over the past 12 months that he showed when he first joined made a few errors not loads not you know hasn't cost where loads of results or goals I don't think there's been any games there where you think we definitely would have won that game if it wasn't for Dubravka maybe Wolves but because it was so late but I think we're going to all agree it was a foul on the goalkeeper last season um, he was he was worth a point on on Saturday and um, this is a this is a weird one be interested in what people listening think who are at the game and when you see things on TV you know they don't because of the angle we're at we're at the back of the southeast corner of the corner 
Um, you know, there was a chance there. Uh, I can't remember who a chance someone snatched that and put it wide in the in the eighteen yard box, and that looked possibly to, banana silver. Yeah, that maybe. looked to us like an open goal. It looked like he'd missed an open goal, and when you watched it on the replay with the angle, it doesn't look like such a good chance. Dubravka's saves looked ten times impressive to me as they did on the television. Um, the one, the one-on-one with again Jesus again because we can see the whole goal directly in front of us. What it looks so easy for the, the centre forward just put the ball in the net. Yeah, he saves that one, but that one to to, to I was going to win the game to, to get the point against Sterling at the end. It's absolutely that, outrageous. It, that was such a good save. Go back and watch it if you're listening. Watch the whole ground get to its feet. When he makes that save, he gets a standing ovation. You don't get standing ovations for a lot of football. To get the whole ground on there, obviously a goal, but a standing ovation to get people on their feet applauding from, from that save because the ball was past him. That was a goal. He holds can, I it devil, well. can I play devil's advocate here? It was a, it was a really good save and, and it looked mint on the re- like looked absolutely mint on the replay. But when I was watching it live and I saw that, all I could think of if I'm a, if I'm a Man City supporter, that's Raheem Sterling. If Raheem Sterling makes the contact that he should be making as a player that he has, as the amount of goals that he's scored over the past couple of seasons, he has to. He had nobody around him. He has to be winning the game. He didn't, for Man but City. was it like he wasn't hip height? You had to take it in, in the air. The the the, 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 the Dubravka's agility and reactions were excellent but he shouldn't have been in a position where he's even able to stop that because the, the, I thought the actual shot was 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 too weak from from Sterling I think it's a mistake from Sterling but it's still a very good save I'm not I'm not trying to diminish the the achievements of that save in a, in a crucial moment of the match that has essentially saved saved us um you know a point but if I'm a Man City supporter and I'm Pep Guardiola and even if I'm Raheem Sterling, I'm fucking gutted that I haven't scored that. Six-yard box, nobody around me. Just bang it After, in. It was the first time the scoop had worked. Scoop right into the six-yard <laughs> yes. box. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, but yeah, if you're the, the attacking team there, you're thinking, you shouldn't be saving that. That's not fair. Keeper shouldn't be saving that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just he's, ridiculous. He's now, I think he's going to dine out. I'm thinking about his... Um you know, after after dinner type speaking to her in twenty years time <laughs> when he's flown over from wherever he's living. Unless he settles here, of course. Um that's a, that's a conversation for a friend no, of the, there's, there's two saves. Time, yeah. There's two saves, I think. The thing is that save. That one that one he's not given her enough credit, man. The the way that he holds the ball instead of just parrying it out is is remarkable. Yeah. Oh no, no, like, I'm I'm not remarkable. I'm not trying to diminish it, but I don't think he should have been in a position where saving was even an option. That's what I'm saying. I think it's a mistake from Stone. It's still an excellent save from I mean, To me, there's that save and there's the save he made against Anthony Martial in his first game when he chooses not to rush him and just stands tall and then reacts within like you know an unbelievable amount of time to react to stick his leg out when the ball's going in the net again the two saves for me that which, that, that led that that made the whole stadium yeah. stand on their feet as well i yeah. remember yeah and it's, it's weird isn't it, how a goalkeeper can sometimes change the mood in a, in a game and this was right at the end but yeah it's, it, you i think coming off his line was good he was good punching he was good communicating it was just martin dubravka at his best and he's one of those players dubravka that when he plays well and i think john joe shelby's like this when those players have a good game you know, very rarely in defeat. You're like Shelby was brilliant. You know, and I want to talk about him now. But when they when they're playing well, we're a much better side. But he was just he, there was just an air of reliability about him again, Dubravka. You just felt it was dependable. You felt safe. You didn't think that he was. I I, I was never concerned that when he went up to catch a cross that he was going to drop it. I really yeah. didn't, and that mm-hmm. hasn't always been the case. I'm, I'm he's usually more often than not he's a lot better than he is like bad, but. 
I thought he was just very, very dependable. Well, it's it's one of those things after years of of, of shite keepers, really. You know, like Rob Elliott, Darla, Matt Sells. We, we've had oh, some. Carl Darla. Uh, Darla, didn't he? <laughs> he didn't instill confidence. I don't. I think Darla was a good shot stopper, and you know he's he's decent, but you know. We, we didn't I don't have, think Darlow's commanding enough. We didn't have that comfort and confidence in our goalkeeper like we do now. Like that back three with all the crosses coming in, no one didn't know what was going on. When the keeper came, the keeper came and got it. When the keeper didn't come, the defenders had it. There was there's, there's an understanding between that kind of back four that we haven't had for years. That they they all know what they're doing. There's no doubt in anyone's kind of mind as to what's happening. So there's just absolutely no confusion. They all get it. They're all working well together. And I think the combination of having very well drilled defenders again from the, the you know the last couple of seasons that they've had the, the Rafa Benitez and this season as well that we've you know we've made St James's Park a very difficult place for people to come and win that coupled with you know Dubravka being on form that's that's a combination that a lot of teams in this Premier League certainly bottom half are going to be envious of because it if you can have players in the in defense that are going to work well together and perform like that consistently you like to think that relegation is going to be a lot tougher if the defence plays like that and you have a goalkeeper behind them who's also dependable. There's a lot of Premier League teams that can't boast the same, I think. It's a good chance to talk about Dummett there because I think he um, he was probably the one that was most at risk after the Villa performance. Um, and He really let himself down in the air, I thought, against Villa. I thought he, he looked a bit suspect. He looked like he'd... Didn't quite fancy it, and that he, he was the the complete opposite on on Saturday. I thought he was tremendous, um, kind of like an old fashioned centre half performance from him, where he wasn't scared to put his head in anywhere. Um, which I've I've always got a lot of time for. Like it, nice. It's nice to see a proper Johnny lad just being dead hard at the back and just like getting <laughs> getting his fucking dish on stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, th- I, I thought Dumbledore had an excellent game, and you now go. You know, after the game against Villa, we're all saying two of the defenders have to come out of the team. Five days later, they all have to keep the keep their spot for the next game. But uh, you know whether they do or not depends because it's a Thursday night coming quickly after a after a Saturday. It'd be interesting to see what you think because I don't know. I still I still just think we're a better side with sharing. I think so as well. And I think it, I, I want to give credit to the lads who played because they did really well and fair play to the manager because it, it paid off. To me, it's an, an unnecessary gamble not picking your best players. Like we get beaten that game. Tell you what, I've, I'm trying to get the highlights up to see. Someone's at fault for that Raheem Sterling chance at the last minute, which Dubravka has made a save on. Someone's at fault. Um, and, you know, if that goes in, we're saying he needs dropped. Whereas Dubravka's pulled, pulled, well, not dropped, but, you know, particularly with a player like Fabian Cher and even Florian Lejeune, potentially, we don't know how fit he is. He's played reserve games. He's been back in training for a while. Now, you'd think he was fit enough to start. They need to be in the team for me. And um, I don't know what Ben's got for me here. Um, yeah, and it is. It, it's dumb it. It's dumb it. Yeah, it's dumb it and Willem. So if that goes in, dumb it's left, you know, across into the box, Raheem Sterling. But you know what? Yeah, the play, the, the played great. I totally agree. I want to play, I want to talk about John Joe Shelby, though, or I want, want to use to talk about John Joe Shelby. Sorry. Have we learned anything about John Joe Shelby? I, I don't, I don't know, because um, on the match day, I think I certainly was, I don't know if you were as well, was being very vocal about the fact that I thought it was time for him to come off at about 70 minutes. He looked knackered. I wouldn't. I, didn't, I wouldn't say he'd had a bad game. He'd been quite ineffective, though. He'd taken a couple of a uh, couple of free kicks and wasted them. And we we weren't really we weren't exactly talking him up by that point in the game. Um, and we were sitting here thinking that we're going to get overrun here. They're going to get another goal. Um, let, let's have some fresh legs. And I think 
before we got that free kick, Sean Longstaff had taken his jacket off and he was ready to come on. He was, I. So Long, Longstaff was about to come on, I, I, I dare say for Shelby. And then we took that free kick and he scored a worldy and everything changed. But I, I don't think he was having the best game. It's a weird one. And you know what? We've said for years that John Joe Shelby has to start scoring goals to to warrant his place in this team. And you know, he's our top scorer at the minute. So long may it continue. Um, you'll take that any day from him. He was playing a bit higher at the pitch. I don't think he was doing the thing that we, we lament him for so much. He wasn't coming and getting the ball from the edge of his own 18-yard line. He was still, he was kind of staying a bit higher up the pitch. He was, he was leading by example and he was, he was chasing stuff down. So it was a better game from him, but I don't, I wouldn't say he was, I, I was still saying throughout that I prefer to see Longstaff here because he, he's got more legs, but then he scored the, the goal that got us the point. So I'm a bit torn. I'm, I'm going to slightly disagree with you, Si. I think he did play well. I thought tactically he was very astute in a game where he had to be disciplined, not just his, you know, his aggression and temperament. It's it was about keeping shape and positioning. That's that was always going to be really, really important. It's not his natural game. But I've I saw him step up this weekend, especially with the captain's armband. It does make a difference to him. It really does. He and he like yes, I, I agree, he doesn't always care enough and he doesn't always bring the ability that we all know that he has. But I thought he was very, very good in a sort of understated way. There was a snarl to him. There was a bit of, there was a bit of sort of bite to him in Saturday. But it wasn't a, it wasn't like a classic, it wasn't like a classic shelvy bite that we sort of like we fear. It was, it was, it was just good assertiveness and aggression in a, in a, it channeled in a very, very positive way. And his, I think his partnership with Hayden provided really, really good cover, and it had to be good. If he, like if if, if Shelby doesn't perform, then because they were concentrating all their attacks, that they wanted to concentrate all the attacks down the centre, like we don't have the protection of the back three, and they we probably concede more. Like he played exceptionally well, and I just think what we what we what we also forget about is that he's one of and yes we we've got some good distribution around the team when the right players are in, but there was a couple of times where we broke exceptionally quickly. Only because we have John Joe Shelby who can spray a ball 45 yards into the feet, into the path of like Alan San Maximan. He did that in the, in the uh, first half. He launched an attack, which we had no right to launch, simply because he's got that ability, the vision, to be able to pick out somebody from such a range. And, that, and it happened again in the second half. Like, we, aren't gonna get, we don't get many chances on the break, especially when we're, we're rocking like 23% possession. But when we do have the possession, we need the players on the pitch, and this is why I think Shea needs to be in as well. I don't think it's an either-or situation. We need the players who, if we are going to play a counter-attack in football with very fast players into space, we need players who can pinpoint... We need players with passing the pinpoint accuracy to find your Almirons and your, your San Maximan who can go on and cause trouble. Excuse me, calls trouble, and I think Shelby getting a bit emotional there. I know, yeah, yeah. A little, a little lump in my throat. But I think we forget about that ability, and I think when he's when he when he's not on the team, we we, we miss that. Welcome to the show, Ben Wade. Get get yourself in the air, changing room for the next one. Adam, just give that speech back to uh, John Gerald. <laughs> He'll be running through fire for you. Um, no, I think it's it's an interesting point you're saying there. Just I, I wanted to just add in because I think you're talking about how what he did with his discipline and things well and he, he's got that in his game I mean the the games you've just talked about there Chelsea and Man U were games where he was on the ball um, at the centre everything we did really well but then 
equally he was unbelievable in, in his discipline and his defensive approach and but they're too far and far far and few really. Um I think that's where Longstaff comes in because it's much more his natural game. I think he is far more disciplined and is good on the ball. And I think that's where John Joe really it's probably just a bad fit for the club in terms of the way we play, is that we need every player on the pitch to be disciplined and do do their job to the to the nth degree to, to stay in games and, and, and when we do that, yes, we look good and we're really tough to I mean, it's in it's one of those things. It's made us I think that's probably the biggest thing of Rafa's legacy is that he's made Newcastle United a team that's tough to beat and hard to play against. I mean, how how many years did we go where we were just yeah, we were one touch. of the easiest yeah, we were soft, easy one of the easiest teams to play. I think that's the biggest thing we've got now is we've got a group of players there that are a bit steely, they've got a bit of nastiness about them, and I would put Xavi in that. I mean, he's not afraid to give someone a kick. Um, and sometimes you need that. Do you know what I mean? It's it's it, but it's just an interesting one, I think. For John Joe to nail down a place, and don't get us wrong, he should do. I mean, I, I, I'm one of his biggest fans before he came. I always thought he would be a brilliant player to add in. And he's got a lot uh, going for him going forward. But I think where he lets himself down is it, it is that lack of discipline and that lack of effort at times, I think. Um, because he can't do it. He just doesn't do it uh, week on week. And I think that's where, if he could put in that type of performance week in, week out, then he'd be the first name on the team sheet. But the reality is, is he doesn't do it com- consistently enough and I think you've got people like Longstaff coming through Matty as well probably could grow into sort of in, into that role you've got too many players that are it's their natural game they're better at it and the way we play it, it accommodates much better to accommodate for the team so I think that's where he's, his, his challenge is really is, is to sort of not just think he can get away with spraying balls about for, for well, 60 minutes and get away with me. it this is it and I like him and I've been, I was calling for his inclusion re-inclusion back in the team long you know before he was this season, um, we are giving him credit here for basically maintaining his position in the middle of the pitch and putting some tackles in. Whereas like Isaac Hayden plays that game, and I appreciate Isaac Hayden is not John Joe Shelby in the, at the other end of the pitch, but we'll just expect it because that's what you're supposed to do. Like you say, in this formation, in this team, that's what you do. When Mike Longstaff comes in, he does it. When Sean Longstaff comes in, he does it. Key last season when he comes in, he does it. And then part of me is like, yes, John Joe was fucking meant on Saturday. He's going to be even better next week. And part of me is like... Like you shouldn't be praising someone for like no, doing, no, you, you, doing the basics. I, I think what you're saying that is, is Shelby's uh, performance. Um, you can't really wax lyrical about it unless you talk about Isaac Hayden's imp- impact on that game because I thought Isaac Hayden was outrageous. That's like the the ground he covered and the, and the, it's kind of he does all the donkey work that lets Shelby express himself and do the things that you described, Adam. Um, I thought we we kind of we got it right in midfield. Uh, Shelby was kind of left with David Silva, who's like 33, 34. He's a bit old. He's not, he's not as much of a handful as De Bruyne and Gundogan. Uh, who, who Hayden, good player, Hayden was he? chasing De Bruyne all around the pitch, basically. like You've clearly been told right, that, that you need to look after him. And then they've let Shelby do the... So, I, I'm not saying it's easy to mark David Silva, but you know that we, we kind of got the balance right the, there. To be fair to the manager, it's what we didn't do against Grealish. Yeah. Even though De Bruyne does score worldly. He, he had very little influence in the first half, yeah, particularly yeah, he because did. you're right. Every time he picked up the ball, Isaac Hayden was there. You're absolutely right. When my praise for Shelby is, you know, it's it's in context to how he's where he's sort of like fallen down before, and obviously, like we, we demand the very you know the bare minimum. But it's like John Joe Shelby isn't a defensive midfielder. He's just not. But he was asked to play that role on Saturday, which isn't his natural role, and I think he performed a role that he's not natural with very well in context to his own abilities. We also got to, can't forget the performance at West Ham as well. Like he was absolutely sensational in that game. And he was, 
what, a couple of inches away from getting it in off the bar and scoring. Like, he nearly got a brace in that game. And he ended up scoring the winner from, you know, improbable, angle, like, you know, improbable distance from that Thanks free Roberto. kick. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, Roberto. Going go back to Alex's point earlier about the bipolar nature of, like, us this season and as fans, it, it's, it's kind of feeling like that with Shelby as well because we've, we've done it, like, three times on this it's podcast, even- come full circle. <laughs> He's absolutely shite. He's he's our best player. He's absolutely. We're getting just as bad at that with John Joe Shelby in particular. Did you see his interview with the program or the website? Yeah. And he was there saying like, "My dad knows knows loads about football, and my dad can tell me when I'm playing badly." He's like, "My my online critics are just keyboard warriors, and what does Paul underscore sixty nine know?" And I was thinking, "How's he found out about me Twitter handle?" <laughs> yeah. like, he's even <laughs> Only joking, John Joe. Um, it was his uh, it was his wife's birthday or something, wasn't it? That's why he went and celebrated the uh, the goal the way he did. He he went, celebrate, however he yeah. wants that. I, I just uh, maybe I that's went, that's why we got the best out of him. So how, how, <laughs> get a new wife for next week with a different birthday. I, I, I will I will just say on John Joe Shelby that we've just entered into December. And he's already halfway to Dwight Gale's entire tally for the 17-18 season. So he's halfway there, lads. Three, three goals. Dwight Gale got six that, that that's season. That's the most Shelby scored in a season. For no, well, it, it? no, it really is. Like, this is why I think we need to just yeah. fucking just encourage him. Like. We, do, we do, we do, we do. I mean, don't, we'll, we'll record the free podcast. We're all going to Sheffield United on Thursday, so we'll record it on the way, the way home in the car for you good people to listen to if you so want but um, I'll just be slagging them off again on um, <laughs> on, on Thursday if shite. And if he, if he scores, his men will be like that. John Joe Shelby, get, get him for England. It's his wife's birthday every week. So, it, technically, it's still his wife's birthday week. You know, sometimes our people have like birthday weeks or birthday No, they don't, Dodds. It's just your birds <laughs> seem to have like three-month birthdays where you're like still doing things weeks and weeks after it. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, John Joe's clearly the same. Ho- hopefully the same. Go on, Maggie. Go on. I was just going to say you need to be careful, Ben, saying Dodgy's birds. This one's not behind the paywall. So. Yeah. just There's just one. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> so, sorry Anna. Um, right, I don't know I don't know where, where you wanted to say something. No, I was just going to say, uh, when, when you said, uh, can we pick out one standout, you've pretty much covered the whole team. So I just, want to, give a, I just want to give a little bit of love for Jetro because yeah, nobody's mentioned him. Um, what a goal! Jet, Jetra's right peg as well. Unbelievable! I mean, that 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 our goal was as good as their goal. I mean, their goal was silky smooth and all that. A bit of could, scrappy cocoa. Can um, I just say the match of the day commentator was like, or, or whichever commentator one of them was like, it reminds me of his goal against Liverpool. Like, what is it? It was a goal by the same <laughs> yeah. player. Like, it, it, it wasn't, so, it wasn't outside the box, and it definitely yeah. didn't go top bin. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it, I, I thought our goal was. Pound for pound, as good as theirs in terms of that that passive movement. It didn't. It w- there's no chance anyone will be given with the credit, but the movement for that. Um, Steve it, Bruce was, was saying he couldn't was he? choose which one was better. Good on him. Well, there's there's another moment. And, the, and the no look, the no look assist from Almiron as well. He just knew first, where Villains was going to be. Maybe steps. They've got a massive bit of luck with their goal, but they, oh, the like a huge, one. like a, a huge bobble. They, it's they pinball, stu- it's pinball stuff, on it. Yeah, I? Ours, ours was a well worked passing move. Ours, ours was a better goal. I think the word Man City did score a different goal, another goal. I think you mean uh, the De Bruyne goal. Yeah. Oh, the one. That, I mean, that's obviously the best goal of the game. Oh, the one that should have been a free kick to us before because oh, Gale got twice. taken out. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I remember that one. No, but even I mean, I think it's the, it's the David Silva like little back heel looks class. But you're right, it was a proper like it was a bit bit spawny in that it just rolls perfectly into Sterling's path, who's just made a. A random run, really. I'm not giving him any credit the for good, that. He's not looking. The for good that. thing about Jetro is, is he could have had more this season, mm. and he's a left back. And he, you know, if if you're a defender against him, he's going to hit it with left or right. Yeah, you don't know. So get him signed up. Get him. I get him signed up. He's been good. I don't. I think Richie doesn't come back into the team for Jetro. I would not. Not a chance. Not a chance. 
There are those who every time we lose a game, and we all like Matt Ritchie, but they're like, oh, we're, Matt Ritchie was playing. It's like, Matt Ritchie was playing when we lost at Norwich. <laughs> to be fair, w- watching the highlights of last season's Man City game before this one made me made me pine for, for Matt Ritchie. <laughs> that, the, the penalty, the, 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 the five-minute penalty and the coolness with which he played. It'd be mental, away. isn't it, if, if Ritchie, Cher, Lejeune and Yedlin are all fit and they can't get into the team. That's strength and depth for you. Until Ashley sells one of them. Cher still comes say. back in the team. If he's fit, he still comes back in the team for me, Cher. Arsenal will probably buy all of them, to be honest. <laughs> what, when Steve Bruce takes over? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when, when they finally sniff him out. Right, I think we'll uh, we'll leave it there, lads. I don't think there's anything else particularly pressing we need to um, talk about. Obviously, we have our patron podcasts, five or six of them a week. Get involved, five to seven pound a month, depending on the exchange rate, because we'll have to charge in dollars. Uh, and you'll hear all of us and more talk about Newcastle United. We've also got a new True Faith fanzine out. I will post it to you personally if you buy one. And you're in the UK, Europe, or the United States. If you're not, or you want an email copy, which is much cheaper, I'll also email it to you. This month's issue, uh, cover star is Alain Saint-Maximin, and it has already sold tremendously well. I think we're going to sell out quite soon of this one. Um, I don't know whether that's because we've got a 2 2 draw against Mass City or it's just a great fanzine. You decide if you buy it. Um, so yeah I think it's both yeah both thanks Steve um, so yeah buy it uh, I'll put the link to this in the descriptions on the True Faith website but it's written by people like you for people like you it's pure fan media please support us take out a subscription all the money goes back into the fanzine um, and that's it lads thanks very much you four for joining me thanks very much all of you for listening speak to you on the way back from Sheffield on Thursday night hopefully we're absolutely bouncing goodbye Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.